0: You're listening to The Blank Page Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Patterson, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. This is a space where I get to talk to creatives, entrepreneurs, and storytellers about what it means to be on a creative path, how to deal with the high highs and the low lows, and how to stay well along the way. As a creative myself, I am no stranger to riding the roller coaster, discreetly crying on the subway slash not so discreetly crying in my car, getting in my head, focusing on results, and just not having a good time. So my hope for this show is to create a community where we can all come together, lift each other up, remind each other to have fun, and feel fortified in returning to that proverbial blank page again and again. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, friends. It's a new week. Welcome to it. I love Mondays, still, even during the time of quarantine, because I get to share new episodes with you guys, and I get to meet with my studio group who you guys have heard me talk so much about and you've met so many of them on this podcast, but we meet and we chat and usually read a play and it's just a very, Mondays have been a pretty centering day for me, so I'm very grateful for them. I hope that you guys are all still hanging in, still being nice to yourselves, hopefully not bickering with the people in your space too much, I know that I've done a little bit of bickering this week. It happens, you know, can definitely happen in these times, but new week, new you, new week, new me, new week, new episode of The Blank Page. This is a good one, guys. Fig Chilcott and I, we go way back as we get into in this episode. We know each other from college and we stayed friends throughout our time. We were sort of parallel in grad school at New York. I was at Columbia and she was at... Pace at the Actors Studio, and she's just always been one of those pals who feels like home, you know, those people who you can just pick up with and have a deep soul conversation, and I'm so damn impressed with the way she moves through life and the way she navigates sticky spots and is committed to growth and at this point is so committed to artistic output. As she says in this episode, she got to a point where the pain of creating was less than the pain of not creating. And I'm sure so many of you guys can relate to that. I know I can. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And uh, maybe this will give you a little bit of balance with some of the news that you're taking in. I know we all need to, you know, take in information and stay informed but I know that it can get so heavy and so wild and can just become such a shroud of fear and anxiety fig touches so much on how to manage anxiety and how to confront it and know when to speak your peace and when you're sort of just addicted to your anxiety and when it's not serving so hopefully this will inspire you to to stay in your light this week um Small disclaimer before you listen, I know that the sound quality on this guy is not ideal. I'm still very much figuring out how to make Zoom work for me and how to sort of keep (laughs) levels balanced between two different parties with two different internet connections and all that, but uh, I know that you're probably forgiving. I'm certainly forgiving. I mean, I just watched that Global Citizens um, live broadcast and I was like, what the heck? We're literally creating tv shows and concerts from people's internet connections it is wild nonetheless you know imperfections aside I'm so grateful for this platform and I'm so excited to share this one with you guys have a beautiful week be gentle with yourself and everyone around you and uh do something fun for yourself this week if you can enjoy biggie Coming to you live in the time of Corona with Fig Chilcott. (laughs) (laughs) This is so fun. I mean, I'm dying right now because Fig is in this amazing, what do they call it, a cottage or or a cabin?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the difference between the two, but regardless, it's a 100 years old.
0: That's so dope. So witchy
1: so witchy and I'm recording a monologue to audition for like a self tape for uh, the crucible tomorrow. And Uh, I'm like, this is my witchy childhood dream. I'm in heaven.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. So Fig and I go way back, way Way back. It's actually funny. I was thinking about uh, Top Girls when I was thinking about interviewing today and I was like, I played Fig's mother at the tender age of 19 slash 20.
1: Why do colleges do that? Like, there's Don't so many age-appropriate plays we could be doing, but instead we're like, nah, <laughs> you'd be the mom. What's oh, the daughter's my- name? Oh, Angie. 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 Um, that play, that role broke my heart. That Top was like- girls. All of my dreams of like I just wanted so badly to be basic, like all through high school. It's like, oh, I just want to be blonde and skinny. And not the, the you have to be those things to be basic, but like I just wanted to fit this 90s mold of like just the perfect teen girl. And then I got to the play and and, and college and it was just like, here, be a monster. <laughs> I was like, wait, no. It's- <laughs> I'm gonna do this whole thing and be this person, and then I just was like, ma'am, I gotta find my shadow and show everyone." And I'm five.
0: I know, so young and so drunk all the time.
1: I'm drunk. Oh, awesome.
0: Ugh. well, I gotta start this with a compliment. Shower for my fig. Oh, I'm nervous. Okay. Don't be nervous. Listen. So yeah, I've known you since you were what 18 years old, or were you younger? 17. 17 years old. Fig, first of all, one of the funniest people you will ever meet. So funny. So kind. Such an artist. I feel like from day one, you were kind of like multi, like interdisciplinary as an artist. Like you were always kind of doing multiple things and just the greatest company, like makes you feel seen, makes you feel heard and getting to watch you grow into this, like, amazing witchy woman has been so cool. And well, growing alongside you, really. It's not just me watching you. But, um, yeah, super special person, incredible artist, and one of the most unique spirits I think I am in contact with on the regular. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I'm going to take it.
0: Take it. Now's take the it. time to receive.
1: Soak on in. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I remember we the first open night, open mic night at Chico State, and Teresa and I did that weird and sky. So my cat is fully snout deep in my glass of water, just mm-hmm. fully in it. We're just gonna let it happen. Yep. Uh, we did that first dance, and we just decided to be freaks. And and uh, Teresa did the rap from Space Jam, and I did the air over my body. It was like the most fun, and all of a sudden we were. We were cool. We were, I know. That night, you guys were like, do you want to come to a party?
0: Oh my God, me and Paula?
1: Yes. <laughs> you guys picked us up too. We were like, holy shit. What did we do? I
0: funny. know. I think what was super special about, especially like the Chico theater community, like, what was cool was like being not cool and just being like loud and obnoxious and sort of monstrous.
1: A hundred percent, that is the right adjective. And the
0: wigs, the wigs, the themed parties—like, how disgusting can we get?
1: Oh yeah, that was magical. Yeah, that was crazy, man, that was so freeing to just be like, nah. No. And, and we all were so, we're so beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous women. Like sometimes I look at our pictures and I'm like, good God. I know. A bunch of gorgeous broads, just drunk as hell, just skinny dipping. And And
0: it's like, we all gave each other permission to like be the Kristen wig. Like no one, you know, it was cool.
1: was cool to be weird
0: yeah in spite of all the dysfunction and learning how to care for ourselves
1: sure yeah (laughs) baby fig but man it was a breath of fresh air from just trying to make myself so small mentally physically spiritually in high school it was so cool to just be like Mm
0: oh exactly Well, I met you at 17, but tell me about Tiny Fig, some of your earliest memories of being creative and how that manifested. And did you always know that you wanted to be an artist?
1: Awesome. I was born on October 17th, 1989, and that is the day of the earthquake, the big San Francisco earthquake. And I was born an hour before it hit. So I was actually, yeah. So I have always thought I'm not super into astrology. I'm, I'm like half witch, half not like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in it, but I'm also, I'm afraid of being full witch, um, which hopefully I can just let that go and just be the witchy quine that I should be. Um, I just feel like that means something my whole life. And then I'll meet like a witchy person and be like, so born before the earthquake, eh? And everyone says the same thing. They're like, oh, you, you just exploded into the world. And I'm like, okay, well, but for real though. Yeah. It and it was big. It informed like the next month and a half of my life. My mom was real stressed. Yeah. Pretty traumatic birth story. And we just went into her bedroom and we just stayed there for like a month. Yeah. We're done. We hate the world. We're just going to hang out in here. Um, and yeah. And I just, my, my house, my home, my childhood home, I like to describe it of being immersed in such casual genius. Like we had such a creative household. Um, my grandmother was an assistant animator or or a touch-up artist uh, for Disney. My mom was a comedian and um, she's actually a brilliant writer as well for stage and screen. She's brilliant. Teaches theater. My dad is one of those musicians that just picks up a guitar and he's got like total freedom, you know, just up and down. And it's nothing to him. It just comes out of him. Without even having to think. Um, and that was my everyday growing up. It was just like around these incredible artists. And we had this small life in the mountains of Santa Cruz. And, you know, we just had this beautiful country life. And I was so blessed to have my grandma right across the street. She was, you know, my second mother. And it was just this beautiful little pocket of creativity and yeah, from an early age my mom i i my favorite game was um preacher so <laughs> i would set up chairs in the back room and i would take my dad's music stand and i would like write some notes and stuff and i think i had like a kids um like jesus songs book whatever and i would welcome and like little my mom was like no you were fig you were a little and I would give these sermons on just how to, how to live and how to be a good person. And my mom would just be like in it, like God, my mom always treated me like an adult and not like in an inappropriate way where, you know, some, it could be damaging, but just like always listened to me, heard me out, would reason with me. She, I've got a very special mother. Um, But yeah, and they would ask me, my mom would say, Figgy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, I want people to listen to me, (laughs) which is really, right? Isn't that kind of magical? That's
0: amazing.
1: Isn't that amazing? And I have thought about it because I've, you know, over the years, you think like, am I, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing? with my life, what is this life? And it's so cool because I can kind of touch back. And go, oh no, I've always wanted to be this person. I've always to um. for people to listen to me. And um, I think it's interesting. I've, I've heard a lot of people saying that there's a, you know, I think it's pretty normal to have a fear of being vulnerable and a fear of being seen. Mm-hmm. And. Growing up, I have always felt, I always felt the opposite. I had a fear of not being seen. Uh, Probably a lot of artists can, um, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of artists have felt that before, but I just had this fear of not being listened to, not being heard and not being seen. And um, I think part of me has just always wanted to be big. yeah. (laughs) And felt that. And it's just been in, innate in me f- since I was a child. Um, and it was, it was uh, in little ways that would come out. And I remember the first play, my first play, I had got to give a shout out to little people's repertory theater and Ben Lomond, California. <laughs> oh my gosh. These moms, man, these moms created magic for us.
0: Wow. They
1: take these plays like, Peter Pan. And they would take all of this music from like the sixties and the seventies and the eighties that everyone loves. And they would change all the lyrics to fit into the play. Yeah. And it was so fun.
0: So it was like current and not like weird old stuff.
1: Right. And then like everyone just enjoyed it. Like everyone had such a fun time because the dads are like, I don't know this song and the kids are like ah, frog and everyone's having the most fun. And we were auditioning for, it was Peter Pan. And I was little, like I had done some plays, like my mom was a high school teacher. I played like an orphan in Oliver and like a few fun things. And I was auditioning for the Mermaid Queen and it was the song they had changed the words to um, Midnight Train to Georgia. Yeah. Uh, right.
0: Which reminds me of Growing Pains.
1: Oh yes, yes. Receivers
0: getting down to that.
1: No, um, yeah, we were auditioning for that, and I remember in my little baby brain, I remember having the thought. You know, I'm I'm listening to all these little girls, and they're, he's leaving on the midnight. You know, they're in the they're amazing, and I thought, what if I just sing the way I know I can sing? What if I sing like I sing outside? And I decided to use my voice this this is so hard to explain i have a i my my voice i have a very soulful voice and i don't necessarily especially as a child i don't necessarily look look like my voice if that makes sense this is a very deep and soulful sound and so i did i remember being like okay and i just turned it on and i tapped into that side of myself this this big, soulful woman in, in this tiny baby body, and I remember looking at the parents being like looking at each other, being like, "What is happening? <laughs> they cast me as the mermaid queen, and i got to and I got to sing like myself in front of a room full of people, and I thought, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, who's this this kid, and everyone's saying all this stuff to my parents, and I thought, Man, it feels good to be me this mm. feels." to make my sound, mm. Bop, whatever, um, you know, nineties kids sound, my sound, my sound was the most fulfilling sound I had ever made. Um, and that was a huge moment for me, a huge moment for me. And, and I, you know, and I knew what the power of being myself was after that, that doesn't mean I stayed committed to it. You know, I I had a lot of painful years after that of junior high and high school of trying to fit in. And I, I say, try to keep myself basic. Like I remember I was such a thick, quick kid. I was a thick little queen and I was squeezing myself into a size large American Eagle polo. And I'm just like, Oh, this don't really work for me. But it's what everyone else is wearing. I need to wear it. Mm-hmm. I wanted so bad to just look the way um, the other little girls looked, and it didn't come naturally. It didn't come easy for a, a Mexican Jew. Yeah. Yeah. felt <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that informs so much of what makes you special is the fact that I always noticed that in you, even in college when we were literally kids that your frustration came from a place of you. I didn't even know yet what my sound was or what, I mean, I guess maybe I had feelings of like, as we touched on and I am currently working on this now in like the acting classes that I'm taking here is like, Letting the monster out, like you don't have to be the pretty thing, like you can be the Melissa Leo, you can do that, you know. But I think you were always aware, and obviously from a young age, of what your true sound, your true feeling, your true good, bad, ugly looked like. But we, whether it was self imposed or put on by society and teachers or whatever we are taught to betray that. And, um, yeah, how have you, what are some other instances in your life that are similar to that? Because I think that's such an inspiring story to hear, um, you know, from the time of high school to Chico to grad school to, to current, uh, times, when, when have you really had to kind of bring back that fig sound?
1: Um you know and i I touched on this before but college um college was the first place where i didn't feel too big to be in the room mentally spiritually physically i didn't feel too big and truly working with bill um on top girls
0: he listens to this
1: he does yeah hi bill we love you hi cynthia well, I love you. you. You have meant a lot to me through the years. Ooh, Bill and Cynthia, original power couple, man. Truly. Um, having permission to um, show my shadow. Show my shadow. Being loved, getting loved for showing my shadow. I mean, what's darker than a broken child? that just, she just, she can't, poor Angie. I still love her. Like she just cannot be accepted as she is. She just cannot. And yeah. she's simple to modify herself in the ways that we modify ourselves to get love and approval. Like she's too simple, mm-hmm. which is beautiful in its own way. But I remember, I do you remember my haircut? I had my hair cut. To my jaw, very and short. You know what? There was a lot more to, of me to love back then. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was just had this perfect circle of a head at that moment. It was just so round, and my hair was just, just completing that look. And I, I was horrified. Oh, this sounds damaging, but uh, and maybe it was in some ways. But it was horrifying to play something so dark. And so it just felt so ugly and scary. And by the end of it, it was like, wow, if I can let myself show this version of me Mm -hmm. to, um, not only is it healing for me to know that that part of myself is acceptable. um, But then I get to give everyone else permission to show their underbelly show their ugly show their dark side which i think as actors i think that's what we do we are it is serv- we are public servants and we give the room permission to you know people permission to see themselves say the things that they could never say out loud you know it's healing
0: It is. And I think we get it confused. And I've certainly gotten it confused. And especially once you start getting into it professionally. And I feel like you maybe had an easier time with this because, you know, so big as a graduate and a member of the actor's studio. So special. But I feel like um, I lost sight of that. And it's only, I feel like this year, especially, it's coming to me in such a clear, message in such a channeled way that I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not here to show what's comfortable for me that is a good trick. Like I have those tricks and I can actually pull the wool over quite a few people's eyes. But does that feel good to me? No. It actually feels better to me to dig deep and deal with my bullshit in a scene and to to have this catharsis for myself and allow others to have this catharsis, right? I think I think it's a... Look, there are people out there who are making a lot of money by not doing all the all the work that we're talking about. That's fine; you can do that. But I think if we're being these public servants, as you say, which is what makes acting a noble and special profession, you gotta dig deep.
1: Elizabeth Kemp used to say, "It has to cost you something." Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, and it, it does. You ever have a, a rehearsal or? A play that when you leave, you're just like, oh, I am, you know, I got a standing ovation, or I don't know, things were awesome. I what a breakthrough, and my heart is heavy.
0: Yeah, vulnerability hangover.
1: Oh, it, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and you walk out and you're just like, I am freaking, I'm in pieces right now. Yeah, and and learning the difference, like, okay, to learn, is this mine or is this my characters? If so, I need to learn how to take you off. I need to learn how to take you off when I leave the room, when I leave the playhouse. Okay, bye-bye. Do whatever I got to do. Listen to some Miranda Lambert or whatever, like just shake it off. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, or is this, is this mine? And am I damaged? Am I hurting myself, especially as a method actor? Am I, am I using something that needs to be left alone? Is this damaging or did I let something out? Did I let it go? Did it, you know, did I freeze something up, shake something loose, which is like, that's beautiful. Yeah. Heal me, like that's amazing. Exactly.
0: So, I mean, you've been, how long have you been at this professionally now? Are you a year short of me?
1: I'm a year short of you.
0: So six, six, almost seven years now.
1: Yeah. You know, God, my ego wants to tell you like, well, I don't know. Like I, I took a break, you know, I graduated, uh, the actor's studio and then I went, we have, um, what we call it like the fourth year and it's optional. And if you want to, if you want to go to the studio, you have finalist membership. And that means you can just hang out. You can't comment if you can hustle and get people to be willing to work with you.
0: This is after you get your MFA.
1: Okay. This option to hang out in Midtown around the members and, um, you know, learn more. And I did. I took it very, very seriously. I was militant in going twice a week, two hours every session, and I hustled and I got people to work with me, which is harder than it should be. Mm. A lot of members are afraid that, um, especially the students, even though they keep the lights on, like you know. All- I'll be paying (laughs) – I'm not going to go there.
0: You and me Um, both, sis. Actually, speaking of shadow, I talk about it all the time now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this was a big financial decision I made when I was 20. Anyways, um, (laughs) you know, we're keeping the lights on, but people are afraid that because we've paid to go to the school, um, we are actually – not necessarily talented enough to hold our own at the studio, which is really fun. So <laughs> you have to hustle and essentially convince people that you're good enough and worth sharing a stage with, um, which is also a problem. Um, how do I say this? I wish more women, female members at the studio would reach out to other women to work. And, um, so yeah, you got to find your, you got to find your opportunities. And I did, I was really lucky to find opportunities to show them what i got. And, um, it was magical and I made it in and I broke myself to get in there. I, I I will always wonder if I needed to or not.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I could have just, uh, been myself and done the work and, let my, I could, maybe I could have let myself be happy and healthy, but I chose not to. And I really broke myself. So by the time I got the acceptance email, I was like, yay, my mm-hmm. life. is <laughs> So I took a break. I took a break after I got in for years. I just kind of hid in bars and got really good at bartending and I always say there is nothing more dangerous than an artist not creating their art. I just, all that creative energy, it wants to come out. And when it can't, it turns around and eats our brains yeah. and all these really fun stories.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I did that for a couple of years until, until I got really tired and and then I decided, you know, what if I actually just gave myself a chance? What if I did that? What if yeah. I went back home? What if I go home to my studio and I and I engage? You know, they gave they've given so much to me. What if I give them some back? Yeah. You know, and in that space, oh my God, page, like learning, like saying this is a lifetime membership. I deserve to be here and I will take my space. Whew, that was huge. I have chills. Yeah. Yeah. Energetically, that changes everything. And now I go there and I sit in the front row because I earned it. And, yep. I, and, 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 and that's my way of giving, giving it back and, and um, engaging and loving my home, you know? I feel yeah. so less to have a home in the city. Yeah. Oh my God. An acting home. I don't know how anyone does it without that. I I really don't know.
0: That's what, I mean, that's what I've, I keep talking about on the podcast, but I really have found that here in LA with a group of actors and we call it studio. It's obviously not the actor studio, but it's like, it's that. And I realized how starved I was for that. And, you know, I mean, self-taping and auditioning, like, does not artistic fulfillment make. So, you know, getting to get back in the room with people and work on really challenging material, as I know you guys do, and, and you're with a group of people who's not going to let you get away with shit. You know, like there's that easy way that you can go. And they're like, again, it has to cost you something. Hmm, that's so casual, Paige. It's really cool. It's compelling, but yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah.
1: I never thought of it like that is, it is such an amazing gift to have an audience.
0: We are not meant to do this in a vacuum. Oh, we are, this is a collaborative art. We are supposed to be seen. We are supposed to see. We're supposed to work with directors, with other actors. And I, that's the job.
1: It is. And I, I think, um, you know, that's my only, that's my beef with film. And I'm a, I'm a tread lightly here. I, I mean, I love film and TV. Give me a, give me a good Netflix binge. Like anyone else? I love it. Um, and I want it. F- pay me. Mm. I'm so ready to get paid. I am so ready for that. Um, I struggle. Theater is just so much my heart. And I think it's because of the, the reciprocal, um, Function the energy exchange like I just don't know how to feel fed without it. I don't understand. Yeah, it confuses me. I feel I just feel so confused about film and TV and what you redo it, you do it again. I'm doing it again. What? Okay. What? Well, and I, I mean, I mean, I'm used to stage like where it happens or it doesn't. Like so, I'm just gonna keep doing this at you until it looks right. Yeah. You
0: know, I will say like, I think the people pleaser in me really loved getting to start when I started working on film and TV. I was thrilled because you are not your own eyes and you have usually, although not so much anymore, this man in control telling you it looks great. And you're like, oh, great. I'm good at this. I'm pleasing people and everyone on set. And you know what I mean? And And now I'm interested in sort of manifesting in the future, who knows when, more collaborative experiences that feel a bit more like theater. And it's like, look, the jobs that we're going to get paid for, I think they can be super magical depending on who you work for and they can have that give and take. But a lot of the time you're right. It is like someone else is in control. I'm here to do this job. Whereas in the theater, it's like, I, I'm doing it. I, I am the barometer. I, I surrender and I throw myself into this and, and it's the gym, you know, whereas it's a little bit more like dance monkey, you know?
1: Totally. People pleasing. I feel like, I feel like I might have the opposite of like glutton for punishment. You know, I was in heaven, in heaven with Uncle Vanya and Estelle. She's sitting in the audience going, ah, Fig, I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? And you're just like, I, I'm trying to do a play. I don't, I love it. I, I Nothing like a tough teacher, man. I love me a tough teacher. But I oh, guess, yeah. Not, yeah, it doesn't have to be that
0: way. No. so. Walk us through once you decided to come out of the hiding and you decided to kind of get back in the arena, what did that look like? Did things sort of start coming to you that felt really good or was there a big, scary, you had to output a lot of energy to get started again?
1: Funny. Every time I do a big output of energy it doesn't really work well for me when I'm letting go, which is like my big thing in life, learning to let go and not micromanage every moment. Mm-hmm. The things gently open up and it'll be like little pathways of like, Oh, look at that over there. Look at that over there. Um, my, my coming out of hiding was very slow. It was very slow, just like these tiny little inquiries. Well, I think I'll go to session today. I don't know. Oh, you asked me to do a reading. Okay, sure. Yeah, I guess I'll do that. Little by little, I found myself getting closer and closer to what I knew my my job was going to be. And that is to be an auditioning actor yeah. and to give myself a shot. Um and my uh, the studio was really way, my way of getting into that. It gave me enough encouragement, I guess, to even let myself get in the ring. Which we also need. Which we also need. And and you know what, Paige, we, I am a, I, I'm, I've always been kind of young for my age, and I don't mean that soul wise. I mean like, I don't know, like. Life um, uh, defining moments wise, I like, I, I was really young going into college and I was really painfully young going into grad school and I needed to catch my breath and I am still working on forgiving myself for those years of needing to catch my breath and readjust from being a student to a person. I needed it. I needed time. I needed time. And um, it was important. It was important to give that to myself. And, and, uh, you know, I judged myself for it, whatever. It was really fun. And I made a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. No, but boy. I The golden
0: handcuffs of tending.
1: Oh, yes. I made a lot of money and I, but man, I'll tell you nothing has, I'm sure like every actor before me, nothing has taught me more about acting than bartending and bar managing. Oh my gosh.
0: I feel that way about nannying. I'm like, God, learning how to be a kid again, how families function, how yeesh, it's a lot, you know?
1: My ego, man, as soon as I learn, like there's like, you could be a bartender with an ego. Actually, it's incredibly easy. It's you get back there and you have some weird amount of power Mm -hmm. and it's so every bar you're in, you think, you know, I'll be on a Friday night, I'll, I'll be pouring drinks, whatever. And I'll have maybe 30 people staring at me, actively trying to talk at me, get my attention. And I realized through the years, I went, oh my God, they're afraid. They are afraid. They are afraid that they are the one person in the bar that I'm going to ignore, that I refuse to see and I refuse to serve. And that is an ego trip. There is like a really weird power dynamic there. And you could be totally cruel and totally within your right to be cruel, man. I have watched people vomit on my bar, try to give each other blowjobs. I have watched the most insane things happen and you are totally could just be like, get the fuck out, get, you know, whatever. And what if you just don't?
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of shadow, I feel like that's a shadow show. (laughs) Like, um, drunk shadows out and about.
1: Oh, so good. Yeah, and there's really only two reasons to get that drunk. It's to either to not feel things or to feel things. Yeah. You know, it's different depending on the night. It's different depending on the person. And when you can look at someone in that light and go, oh, man, you're really feeling a lot. You need to, huh? hmm Then it's like, well all right, maybe you're yelling at me and putting a credit card in my face and doing all this shit, but it's not really about me and you're not really doing anything at me. And uh, boy, is that, does that sit differently in me. And that has carried that confidence and that um, understanding that no one, the world is not happening at you. That has moved mountains for me in the auditioning room. Yeah. To not take um, things as personally.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, being a bartender and an auditioning actor are both things that can really take a toll. What are some of your practices and things that keep you in your juicy fig magic and make you feel really grounded and still in your worth?
1: I just listened to the one that you did with Neil. Oh my God, I'm such a fangirl. I <laughs> me too. Know, I don't know him at all. And I've heard the most amazing stories through you and Nika. And like, Neil, I love you. I think you're a magical man. Oh, me too. He's so good. Um, long story short, um, routine. You guys were talking about routine. I love a routine. I that is like my first indication that I'm working against myself when I'm not in routine. Yeah. Cuz it feels so safe. And um so good. Um moving my body which um after years of battling with um an eating disorder and um weight gain and loss and gain and loss and uh ancestral trauma connected to um weight it has taken me many years to understand the reasons why we would move our bodies and not be trying to make our bodies smaller reasons body outside of you know, the endless goal of be smaller, be smaller, be smaller because be smaller doesn't really fit with my, my baby fig intuition, right. Of like, I want to be big. Yes. So, and you know, my, um, I'm writing a play about this right now. You know, my body, my mind tells me to be bigger. Our society tells us to be bigger. They say, want more, need more, have more, be less it's like a really confusing message that I think a lot of women people get lost in mm-hmm. Moving my body with no goal, but to move my body, um, going to my acting studio, my studio, my home and going there. Sometimes taking care of myself is not going. Yeah. Sometimes you know I really have to check in. Where are you today? Are we com- are we in like a comparing kind of mood? Am I going to go in there and be really um, jealous or scared? Or am I am I secure enough today in myself to go in there? Maybe not. Okay, what can I do? What's nice for myself? I uh, my mom used to say to me, she still does. What's the nicest thing you could could you do for yourself today?
0: Yeah. That,
1: that's a, a beautiful thing to ask yourself. In writing, I'm finally identifying as a writer. Yes. A, yes, I, you are. Playwright. I put that in my bio for um, the play that I was just a part of at Laura Pell's, The 72 Miles to Go. And I was so, oh my gosh, I was so afraid. Putting in there like playwright, but I was like, you are. You've produced a show that you wrote. Like, stop. Yep. Let it happen. You don't have to feel broad. That's a choice. Like, just own it. Be big. Big. Be big. Yeah. So, writing is a huge, oh man, it feels so good. That's my favorite feeling in the world, is being able to say the things that I need to say. Yeah. I'm going to bed early.
0: I actually feel like all this quarantine is um, helpful for, <laughs> for artists. It's what you're saying. I feel like I'm in a great routine right now. We're going to bed early. I'm eating slowly. Like my skin and body feel better than they have in a very long time. And I think it's because it's what you were saying about the compare and despair and all this, but you know, I so much of my unhappiness comes from feelings of not doing enough or of FOMO or of feeling like I should be further and whatever. And right now, like, you are enough. Existing is enough. Whatever you're called to create is enough. Ain't nobody booking jobs around you. None, it's about you in your home doing what makes you feel good. And I, it's kind of lovely. Of course, there's a lot of fear to battle and other things. But
1: yeah, partner and I were literally saying last night, we're saying we admitted to each other that there is a small piece of us that was a little bit relieved with this quarantine. And I said to him, I said, man, that is, that's not good. That's not good. If it literally takes a pandemic to stop judging ourselves for what we should be doing And what we aren't doing and uh and to actually let ourselves take a break do the things that we want to do i was saying the shoulds all the shoulds are gone right now (laughs) it's just who do you want to be yeah what do you it's it's
0: pretty it's a magical window there of course there are a lot of practical stressors and you know the illness is very real, and the finances are very real. But I keep saying this, and it's probably just to soothe myself. But I'm like, this has exposed such a level playing field. Like we are all so vulnerable in terms of our person, in terms of the money we need, and like what we had going on ain't working. So,
1: no, oh, and it's it's been like a masterclass for us worriers that feel like we're getting a lot done when we're really worried and <laughs> yeah. loving everyone so well we're really worried and it's so good and there is not a damn thing I can do. I can tell my dad to wash his hands until I'm blue in the face, but I am not in Idaho and I cannot make him do anything. I can't I can't save anyone. This is such a, a real life Come to Jesus with having to let go and um yeah, work on our codependence as well, but
0: oh, yeah, I know so many people I'm talking to right now are going through that with with parents and loved ones, just being like, Mom, do you have to be at the grocery store today? Do you have to be at the diner? I don't think you do, like you know what i mean? it's just so. But again, it is like you have to let go. They're going to do what they need to do. You can say your piece to make yourself feel good, but then I have no control over what another person is going to do no matter how much I love them.
1: No control at all. And I think it's key what you said with the saying your piece. I, I literally had to tell my family, I, I had to say, I'm really afraid someone is accidentally going to kill you by um, not washing their hands and I really want you to stop going to work because no amount of money is worth your life. And I respect either whatever decision you make because I cannot control, like literally having to speak on a, the re, like, realness under it of like, I need to say this for me mm-hmm. because I'm so afraid. This is the level of fear I've never experienced. I feel like I'm saving you by telling you all the things to do. Um, But, yeah, no, after I speak my piece, I have to let it go Mm -hmm. or kill myself with anxiety.
0: Ugh, I know. I know. (laughs) What are some of the things that you consume to stay well in terms of books, podcasts, um, music? I know you're with a musician.
1: Um nothing is more beautiful than watching an artist do their art. Like yeah. A person will never be more beautiful than in that moment. And I'm so lucky. I get to watch my partner do his art on the regular. It really feeds me in such a special way. Um, as for the things I'm consuming, I have... What I consider really trashy taste in all things um, media. I love fun, trashy country, whatever, trash pop. Like I love it. it I makes do me too.
0: Happy.
1: <laughs> um, I can listen to some of the best of them, but like I love. I I as a person that is maybe a little more drawn to. More shadowy work for myself. I have to make a constant effort to bring more light into my life. And yeah, yeah, that's how I that's how I keep myself in balance. And um, I just do that with the things I consume. I love sitcoms, you know, TV and film, whatever. Maybe I'm confused about it. Man, my dream would be to write or star in, or do both, like sitcom. I love the ritual of a sitcom. I love that it is part of someone's day, their routine. You know I'll tell it.
0: you what, Fig, the sitcom would work very well for you. I have a few friends on sitcoms now, and um, it is the most like theater of any of them because there's a live audience, and it is a really good job, especially for network. It pays so well, and it's a set schedule. So if you want to be a mom, you could be at some school pickups. You could be at school drop-offs. It's essentially like a nine to five, except for tape nights, and then you go to like nine or ten, and then typically you get you do three weeks on and then one week off for, the, for hiatus for the writers to write the new stuff. It is so dreamy. It, like, I could totally see you doing that.
1: Oh my god, I love it. I love it, and I like two broke girls. Like, you know, just fun, and it's quick, and it's just coming. How yep. I Met Your I Love. I love all of it. Yes, yeah. light and quick and fun, and you get to know these characters, and you just get to love them. Mm-hmm. They get, you know, Roseanne. Like, I grew up on that show. So good. I grew up on that, not to mention, then later working with Estelle Parsons was right. like, <laughs> I am where I'm supposed to be. This is amazing. Um, yeah, sitcoms, love that. Um, babe, I call them baby movies. I love me some baby movies. Give me, give me an animated rodent. Give me, you know, give, I want it. I love it. We, I've been on a Disney plus kick yeah,
0: yes. and John gets on my ass. Cause I mean, listen, we balance each other out very well. Cause he is like, loves like a high caliber prestige drama. And like, like I'm an asshole. We haven't finished Chernobyl. You know what I mean? He's like, Oh, but I'm like, can't, can we please just watch hook? And he's like, I'm, I don't have time in my life to watch something again. Why? And I'm like, I only want to watch things eight times in a row because I know what's coming and so much of my life I don't know what's coming so let me just know what's coming and be in that joy <laughs> in the baby movie
1: yes i I feel the same same way I'm like especially when that my anxiety's kicking when I'm feeling a little when I'm feeling a little more than I should be feeling like I get on that Disney Plus and it soothes my soul.
0: It's like my blankie and thumb. I sucked my thumb so bad and my parents – and I had like a silk blankie and I would like rub it against my face while I sucked my thumb. And I as as I got older, they were like, no. I don't know if this was a good idea the way they did this, but they would be like – they cut it first of all, so it just kept getting smaller and smaller. Rude. So (laughs) rude. And then they were like – Okay, Paige. Well, if you want to suck your thumb, you have to go in your room and do that like I'm masturbating or something. So, once yeah. So, once I was watching a scary movie or something that scared me with my grandma, I think I was maybe like 4 or 5, and she still tells this story. It was like a scary moment and I was like, "Wait, grandma, can you just pause it? I got to go get a couple sucks in." Like oh. <laughs>
1: Sometimes I just need to get
0: a couple sucks in on Disney plus and watch something again.
1: Always need a couple sucks in. I yeah. sucked in my for, I say 11 years, but bitch, that was more like 14. And I know I, me too. In bed, in bed, you know, no one's around. I don't need to, I don't need at school. Like I'm no. fine.
0: Let me just like rack up an orthodontia bill real quick.
1: Real quick. <laughs> I, uh, no, I needed that, man. I needed that. And apparently it's a sign of intelligence. They say that self-soothing is a sign of intelligence for children. So we were just, you know, woke and everyone else is basic. Oh, what uh, do you feel like
0: is the biggest hindrance? Oh, wait, do you have more?
1: Not really. I loved for, for your solo. So you said that you love a good, like family struggle book, like a good, like, I don't know. I'm so into like a period piece of like, and then we got the crust of bread and made it for another night. I'm like, yes, think they fucking did. Oh my God. Angela's Ashes. From like uh. an inappropriately young age, I was like, this is the best thing in the world. So good.
0: It's so good.
1: Yeah, just, you know, people just getting by.
0: Yeah. I do. You mentioned it earlier in terms of just like the casual genius, but what were the the good lessons that you took from being raised by your mom, your grandma, and your dad? And what were the things that you were like no about without you know without giving them shame because they're all magical people?
1: Doing the best we can. Yeah, my parents are. I'm emotional. I miss them. Yeah. This is a weird time to be alive. It Um, sure is. My parents are the true definition of what it means to be lifelong artists, working artists. My parents have always created art, whether that was directing a play at our church or writing a new blues ballad in our big red barn in the mountains of Santa Cruz. My parents have never stopped creating. And that has really drilled in the lesson for me that we can do this any way we want. And it's good to know what the dream is and to get very specific about the goal and to say it out loud. I want my own theater company. I want to write and play and produce my own work. And, you know, but also that I may work with that in different ways my whole life. And I can keep defining um, what it means for me to be an artist and to my life and my life's circumstances.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like what you said earlier about taking that time off for yourself and needing to hide, you know, whether or not that was quote unquote healthy, like we all need to do that. And I've been so, I just interviewed two friends recently who are, um, in the early stages of motherhood. And how do you create when you've created a person and when you, you know, have different, um, When you're going through something emotionally or financially or whatever, how do you still show up in that way and how do we not have this like capitalist view of creating? How do we make it something that is an inevitable part of our day and our lives without shame? You know, sometimes it's not going to be there in, in the same vigorous way that it will always be, but that is so beautiful that you had that modeled.
1: So beautiful. I feel so blessed to have parents that were just, I mean, it's not even just uh, supportive about me being in the arts, but it was just modeled. Yeah. Like you said, it was just like, yeah, this is the way we do it. And we pay the bills and like we figure the things out and we create art. Yeah. And sometimes the art pays the bills and that's cool too. And like it it was just modeled as doable and and, uh, normal. That's so beautiful. It's beautiful. And, um, you said, you know, what were the things that I took away that I didn't want to practice in my own life? Um, my mom, and I think it would be okay for me to share this. I'm sure of it. My mom has expressed to me, um, some I'll say regret cause I don't have a better word for it right now. Um, but I think it's maybe just the, what if, yeah if she had continued with comedy she was um a really gifted comedian she still is um where that would have led and what that taught me and you know she made her decisions and had some beautiful children and moved to the mountains where the air was cleaner and the sun was brighter and all those good things that you want for your children and um I think for me, the way I translate that advice and apply it to my own life is uh, really take all your shots and really do not uh, settle for something smaller. If the dream changes, oh my God, go in that direction. Accept the change and move on, yes.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But be honest with yourself if I want the big thing, just because I'm such and such years old, doesn't mean I, I, I don't still want the big thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Allowing myself to, um, to, to keep sticking on this path to keep on this, you know, how much have we sacrificed? How much do artists sacrifice to be genuine and live and live their lives the way they know they need to live.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm of the mind of like, well, I've missed how many holidays, how many birthdays, how many moments with, with the people I love the most. Yeah. I moved to country, you know, Yeah. do I miss out? Okay. Well, right here and right now I'm, uh, this is who I am still. And I need to continue to make this choice and, uh, honor who I actually am and not, and not who I, you know, the child in me is like, move home. I'm I'm terrified.
0: Yeah. I think it's all so helpful too. I mean, so much of what I'm interested in with this show and this podcast is just that like, it takes a long time and there are so many years of feeling shitty about it or, um, You know, not being where you want to be necessarily. And of course, it's always a dance of like, does my soul want this or does my ego want this? You know, but it is like sometimes your soul wants, as you're saying, the big thing, and that's okay. And sometimes your ego is trying to tell you that you don't deserve the big thing, you know? So, but it is like, it takes a long time. It really does. So it's like the longer, of course, like, you know, I I think we've both known people where you're like, Bro, leave New York. Like
1: Well, you gotta know what time it is. You have to know. <laughs> you have to know what time it is. And if you are done, you need to be like, okay, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. If you are not done, conversely, if you are not done, you need to know, okay.
0: Stick it out. This out. Exactly.
1: This, sucks. this genuinely sucks. Yeah. I'm facing a lot of rejection yep. on the
0: road. hmm Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Truly. What kind of stories do you feel like need to be told right now? And what kind of stories do you feel need to come from you specifically without giving away too much of your work if you don't want to?
1: Sure. Um, Ooh, magical. Okay. So I think um, I did like, I had like a lot of fun years of thinking I needed to look a certain way or be a certain way or act a certain way if I was going to be. successful. And then with this last gig that I booked um more and more I've been sharing my writing at the studio and been getting a lot of feedback of like girl yes what? Yes. What is yes go go go. And like some names like with some awards. It, it. I cannot. It was like my my ego having to finally take in that information. And be like, oh, oh, actually, okay, uh, never mind. <laughs> Walk in as oh, we're not like the cool girl. We're not like the uh, super easygoing. Oh, we're not the most polite woman in the world that has no personality at all. Walking into the audition room. Oh, okay, like no, we're just gonna be you. Okay, we'll be you, I guess like that it has been mind blowing. And I book this gig with roundabout and I walk in by the, you know, I auditioned in like an oversized hoodie and like my dirty chucks. I mean, she was a kid and I was like, well, girl, like this is my kid. This is my, this is me. So like, let's go in as like, whatever. Yep. I walk in my first day and I look around the room and I go, Holy shit. Everybody looks like me. Not skinnier, not prettier, not lighter, not darker, not. It it was just me. We all were there because we were ourselves, right? And it was right for the story. And I finally got it in my head of, oh, this is so not personal. Yeah, they asked me because he looks like my brother, and she looks like my sister, and we all just happen to be really talented and, 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 fun to be around. And like, this just worked because it was right. Yeah. It was just, um, the right moment at the right time. And it's just, it's been, it's been crazy page. It's been like, since Christmas, I promised myself, I was like, you know what, bitch, get out of your way and give up. Yes. Give up, give up with the whole, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm not, you know, like, Oh no. I just I've I give up. I'm yeah. just gonna because I have to, because it burns in me. It bur- the pain. It, you know what it was? It was the pain of doing it had finally become less than the pain of not doing it. Mm. Like it it was just like I'm in so much pain not sharing the things I need to share and being the artist I need to be. Like, fuck it. Maybe everyone will hate it. I don't care. I'm getting up. I'm doing this.
0: Yeah, we have to, we have to express or as you said like we become a menace to ourselves and a menace to society and really like when you realize that all the bullshit and all the dancing you do with your ego and I'm not this enough I'm not that enough or someone else is better or my, why does my story deserve to be heard like that is actually you messing up creative flow on the whole it's not just like about you. You're blocking what you came through to do, and a doesn't feel good as you're saying, and b like it's just it's not nice.
1: It's not nice. We got to give it away. Yeah, we got to share it and um, let the world have it. It's interesting being a, a white presenting um, woman of different ethnic backgrounds. I have been in the, the other way too, on the other side of like, well, now I'm not, I'm not Mexican enough. And I, you know, and, and I, I, I don't, sh- you know, I, I, it's like this whole other insidious way of telling yourself you're not enough. Like, what is this? No. Yeah. This is my time to shine. We are hearing different stories from different colors, different body types, different ages. Like let's go stop. And it's, it's
0: everyone. Like, there are so many good stories out there right now. And you can look to so many people of all different backgrounds. And like, there's, there's someone out there for you who's modeling that like, you can make it, you just have to look like, and also, you don't really need anyone to model it for you because there's only one you. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's so hard to remember that. And, and people along the way, it is tricky because, you know, when you're dealing with representation or trying to get something made, you will inevitably be told, oh, well, there's already something like this or whatever. And it's like you just have to know what's true for yourself and decide if you want to change to fit the mold or not. You know, it's all a choice.
1: Right. Yeah. And I guess what we're learning is like the changing to fit the mold is like not even working anymore. <laughs> it's like not even helpful anymore. No. Nope.
0: No? Shannon. Um, yeah. Wait. So I, I feel like you talked about getting to the place of having to tell the stories, but specifically what stories do you feel uh, are so important in healing right now for yourself and for the world?
1: So. I've mentioned this a lot and I guess it makes people really uncomfortable to hear, to, to, I I say to people like, Oh, I used to be really big and I think it is really hard. People immediately want to say no. And I'm like, well, well, no, I was, but I also want to express that. um, And I think it would be really healing. I think a lot of women would um, resonate with this that that baby fig that had to go to the refrigerator to feel safe, I'm really thankful to her. And I really love her. And that was her best tool to stay um, safe emotionally. Yeah. And I'm really glad that, some, that I had something to make me feel safe emotionally. I really needed that. I needed I needed those 70 pounds of protection around me. And I can forgive myself for that. I can forgive that kid that didn't know any better. I, and and I can laugh at it. I can laugh at it. I'm at a point where I'm like, girl, I was thick. And I think that is fucking hilarious.
0: And also on the other side of it, you're able to heal yourself in a way that you're not on a loop anymore. Because as you're saying, you needed that weight then. You needed those those tools. And now you're like, well, I don't need that. So-
1: it served me so well. Yeah, it really kept me safe, and it and it gave me um, some you know some happy feelings when I needed them. And I don't need to use food in that way anymore. Sometimes I choose to. Sometimes I'm like, it's just you and me, Cadbury eggs. Me too. Like, sometimes you know I have different tools in my toolbox now, and I and I and I can recognize that I was just doing the best I could. And, um, you know, I, I, now that I weigh less, I don't, I'm not worth more. I cannot increase or decrease my worth as a person. Yes. I had many, um, people in the business tell me for many years that I needed to be smaller if I wanted to have a career or I needed to get very, very big to have a career. Um, I, you know i sure i've i've had all the things all the fun things happen uh but i'm at a point where i need to laugh i need to laugh at um these compulsive feelings i have about food i need to laugh about trying compulsively trying on my 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 skinny people jeans and my and my big people jeans and then you know okay that'll decide how i feel about myself today like this is weird It is a weird human impulse. It is an impulse as an animal to be, oh, I need to be smaller. What? That's not, show me a monkey that is telling itself it needs to be smaller. Show me, right? Like show me the rabbit that's like, I'm too thick. Like, no, (laughs) we, it's funny and it's dumb and we have so much pressure put on us. I I hear from men, you know, my whole life, like men have loved my curves. I've gotten a lot of attention for my, for my curves specifically, you know, my upper curves, but like, you know, and so you get that like, Oh, okay. Well men like me thick and then, okay. So why do I want to lose weight? Oh, cause am I trying to compete with other women? Well, Well, I don't, you know, I get a lot more attention than a lot of women I know because of my curves. So if I'm winning, then why, what am I, what's there to compete about? What is, you know, it's nonsensical, compulsive, cyclical thinking that we all need to laugh at because I don't think we got any other choice. Like, it's just, it's just- Well, when you laugh
0: at it, you're, you're like completely taking the air out of it. Just like taking away the power and being like, this is a joke, dude. Like who made this up?
1: It's better. My mother wrote her thesis in taboo and humor, Holocaust humor. You know, as a third generation Holocaust survivor, I, I have the need to tell a story of how insane it is and how funny and weird and confusing it is to grow up in a house full of people that are traumatized on a cellular level. Yep. And although, and then being old, getting older, and realizing, like, oh, it's not really normal to keep jugs and jugs and jugs of emptied out bleach bottles full of water in the basement, and dried everything, and gold in the walls. Like, oh no, not you don't have any gold in your walls. Like, what are you doing? Like you, you learn. Like, oh, this is funny. Look at all this, you know, this crazy conditioning I've had, and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. No, you know. So, yeah, my story, I want to tell that story. I want to tell that story of um, confused women. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? And yeah. how, do you, how do you heal something that's not yours?
0: Yeah. How,
1: how, do, how do I do, you know, we're talking more and more about transgenerational healing. Okay, like, I can be good to myself. My gut says what my gut says, you know, if when COVID strikes, And I'm in New York city. My brain automatically goes to, there's going to be violence. I have to get out. You know, like I don't like that part of myself. I don't know how to heal that part of myself. Girl, that's my ancestors telling me, trying to protect me. How do I talk them out of that?
0: Don't you feel recently I've been feeling for myself um, that getting to the more, listen, every person I talk to lately is writing and it's so inspiring. And I'm like, why am I not like, I need to be doing it. There's no reason I can't. But in acting recently, I've been like, oh, I get to bring all of this ancestral bullshit. And it's actually my magical superpower. The fact that my grandmother felt that way, the fact that my mother passed that on to me, all these feelings I have about sex and the way that I have to look and my worth and all this, like, thank God. But then in my personal life, I'm like, how do I get you out of my way?
1: I don't have an answer to that. I think laughing at it might help. Absolutely. I think having a little sense of humor about like, yeah, you know what? I have this insane idea that if I'm not beautiful, I'm invisible. <laughs> and um, that's really weird. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If I'm not a sex doll, I'm going to get cheated on.
1: Like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my only power Because people like, have <laughs> like I have these double D's and this is how I get anyone to do anything I need them to do yes yeah. really interesting ideas we have and uh, I'm in conversation with my ego on the regular Same. I don't know okay cool so I can literally have this the horrible like well you stupid bitch Um, actually everything you do is dumb and, and I immediately my higher self is like oh fun you can have a seat We're going to go color right now, but thank you. Great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've been having that a lot with my, with, as you're saying with taking up space, I think like I'm big, like I'm a big personality. I'm loud. I'm goofy. And I think like the way that my container is a lot of people don't assume that right away. They don't assume that I'm funny or weird or whatever. And I've been showing up in more and more spaces as my like goofy, loud self who tells people that she pees her pants and when she takes edibles and laughs or, and then I'm like, and then afterward, and this has happened like when I, I booked like a big studio film last year, my first one. And I immediately walked out of the room and was like, what an idiot. Like, why did you talk so much? Like I walked in the room and I was like, Hey, what's up? Like just so talkative, took up so much space. And I was like, this is a role that literally has a profession for a name. Why did you take up that much space? You're so dumb. And then lo and behold, got it. And so, yeah, for me, I'm like, ego, stop trying to make me feel shitty for showing up as my highest self. I'm allowed to be loud and sparkly. And if anyone else has a problem with that, they can speak to their ego about it.
1: People that have a problem with that are not don't aren't giving themselves permission to be their biggest, most beautiful selves. Yeah, like yeah, that's that. It's which basically means it has nothing to do with you.
0: Exactly, and it's not my business.
1: Like no, no, yeah, no, I don't have time for other people's drama.
0: Right. No. What do you feel like is the biggest hindrance to your creativity?
1: Hmm. You know, I have this big, beautiful brain and it knows everything. It knows absolutely. did you know? I know absolutely everything. <laughs> um my ego likes to tell me I'm smarter I'm the smartest person in the room. And uh my ego likes to tell me that I um that what I'm doing is stupid, like, oh this project is so fucking dumb. Like, oh I could write circles around this and you know, just yeah. like and it also will go to this really dark place of like, what does it even matter?
0: So your shadow is more like judgment of the things around you. It presents itself that way, even though it's judgment of yourself, it's like judgment of the things around you.
1: Such a nihilistic place of like, nothing even matters. No <laughs> like goes to this place of like, what the fuck? Like, how do you even get up in the morning? Like, what are you even saying? So I should just like, roll around on the ground and like never do anything like relax maybe maybe you should do this project fig because it's fun like do a fun thing allow yourself to have fun so I think my big my big fat brain that knows everything it definitely gets in my way and and um the not letting it go not letting it go I got to just do me I got to just do me, just show up and let people think whatever they're going to think and, and let, and just share, just share. Um, which is, you know, I want to control. I want to, I want to show everyone what to think and perfectly curate life. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work like
0: that. Oh, isn't that the truth?
1: And jealousy, my God, what is it? Um, Jonathan Van Ness, he's, he said that uh, comparison is the thief of all joy. And I thought, good God, that is so real. Maybe not jealousy, but comparison. Oh my God. And then you think about Instagram and how, it's, how the app is even set up. I mean, our pictures are right next to each other. What does a brain do? I you know. know
0: we are overloading our subconscious mind so there's no room to create and there's no room to see your own magic and it's really detrimental but it's also like magical i love social media but i am very aware of how clouded it can make me and also of how it gets deep into your subconscious which is where all the art happens all the good stuff happens. Like I'll, I can be on Instagram like before bed, and I'll dream about like the last person I saw, and that is like a dead giveaway. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, getting in there.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's that, it's that pause, it's that pause, and everything, and and going, well, am I in a good place to be scrolling right now? Why am I on your page? What mm. am I looking? Mm-hmm. You know. We mm-hmm. gotta. We got to stay in tune with what's going on.
0: Exactly. Well, are you ready for some rapid fire questions?
1: I am. Yes.
0: Okay. What do you have a city that you'd like to visit when this is all over?
1: Ooh, I want to go back to New Orleans. Man, everything's better in New Orleans. That city has got more flavors, more colors, more character oh god that's a magical place
0: that's that's my ancestry right there my mom and then we also discovered recently that the pattersons so the irish pattersons their port of entry to this country was new orleans so i'm like
1: you rage in cajun
0: rage in cajun do you drink coffee
1: absolutely not only when i hate myself
0: really it makes you too strung out
1: caffeine is my the my fast track to not taking care of myself
0: anxiety and stuff
1: it is yes it is debilitating it is so bad for me and I'm so glad I know that now
0: I know I've spoken to a lot of women who they were like I thought I had anxiety it turns out I was drinking coffee (laughs) like
1: a lot of people realize how terrible it makes them feel and like, I think it's interesting in quarantine because I can read a status and be like, "Ooh, you just had one espresso too many. Like, it's not okay.
0: I loved your post the other day. You guys need to stop drinking so much
1: coffee. There are some days I wake up and I'm like, there is no way I can handle that cup of tea this morning. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. You got to know.
0: So what, so is tea your ritual beverage of choice?
1: Love it. I drink it like an old English woman with cream and fake sugar, even though it's bad for you. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Um, I love it. When I can handle it, I drink it. When I'm too hypey, I do not.
0: Do you have probably because you talked about routine, but do you have a specific ritual around writing that things have to be just so, or you have to have completed something, or in terms of your space?
1: There's usually like three to six tasks that I have to complete before I will let myself sit down and write. And it's never anything pressing. It's always like, scoop the cat box, wash that dish. Like it's always the dumbest shit. My brain will be so desperate to not be in the hot seat that it'll be like, oh God, cat box, cat box, cat box. You're like, just get off. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got to do that. Yep. So knocking things off my list, getting rid of the do, 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 do's, and then I can sit down and check in.
0: Yeah. When you were a kid and you went to the video store, what was the movie that you picked up over and over?
1: Oh, such a good question. I mean, there can be a few. Um, Two Wong Fu. <laughs> that word- explains a lot. <laughs> So much. Um, I've <laughs> obsessed with drag queens my whole life. It's my life goal to be a drag queen. Um, Tuan Fu, uh, what is that? Uh, never been kissed.
0: So good. Before.
1: Never. Josie been Grossy. Josie gross-y, grossy, man. We've all felt like a Josie Grossy. Yes. I love her- Reese Witherspoon, just like the cutest little face, and I love her glottal fry. Everything she does, I'm like, you're you cute. She's so
0: cute. And such a badass right now. I'm like hell yeah with your company, and I love what like she's goals for me with turning fiction into things and, and giving roles to friends. And she's dope.
1: Bare faced and just like, just like well moisturized and just like hello. I'm like damn. I know. You look happy. I know. So good. Um, what else? What are the movies? I mean, just Die Hard Disney Junkie, man. Peter Pan was my shit. Alice in Wonderland was my shit. Was
0: thought, there which ones did your grandma work on specifically? Is there anything that she touched?
1: Did touch up for cartoons. Grandma did t- t- touch up for like Wile E. Coyote, which apparently was a nightmare. And like and then like some um commercials and stuff like that. Grandpa Arthur Babbitt, he was the one that did. Pinocchio and Snow White and um let's see uh, was the, the the Dancing Mushrooms Fantasia oh, like Fantasia. Yeah, he worked on a bunch of those. So, but I guess I didn't really watch those ones that much, so I
0: still love Fantasia. We're watching that uh Imagineering
1: on Disney Plus oh. and I'm
0: freaking loving it. Yes. Um yeah. Oh my god, this is this just popped into my head. Did you have a favorite chapstick flavor as a kid?
1: Absolutely. What's that? It's like that really basic chapstick with like the curse of right. I think it just says like chapstick. Chapstick. Oh. Yes. And it cherry. Just, I love the smell. I know. It's, so it's good. really good. Chemically, but like satisfying
0: chemical. Oh man. I know. I was thinking of you when you said um. When you said fake sugar, I recently have like gone back to, I spent so many years doing like expensive green skincare. And now I'm like, you know, when I had the clearest skin is when I use like Cetaphil. And I've recently gone back to it and I know it's like toxic sludge, but my skin loves it. And I'm like, oh, well, something's going to get me sick at some point.
1: Whatever. You, know, who you taught me that was Nikki Lee. Nikki Lee Nansel and she, when we lived together in a one bedroom apartment, me, Teresa and Nikki in Crown Heights, sharing a freaking living room with Nikki, she was like putting some, well, oh, it's a ten. She was like- On hey, her hair. Yeah. And Teresa's like, you know, there's parabens and shit in there. And, and Nikki was like, I am only going to look this good once. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to use all the things and I'm going to just, I'm just going to look good.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Do you have a favorite book?
1: I so thoroughly enjoyed the My Brilliant Friend series. It was so magical.
0: I was just discussing this recently. I think it's
1: maybe my favorite reading experience I've ever had.
0: I mean, I recently loved, and I've talked about it so many times, the book by Claire Lombardo, but yeah, My Brilliant Friend was so good. And I'm really impressed with the TV series.
1: Oh my God, it makes me so happy.
0: I didn't think that I would like it that much, but I'm like, these kids are so good. It's so, the world is beautiful. It's not different than what I pictured, oddly enough. In fact, it like is better.
1: A hundred percent.
0: It's gorgeous. I, I,
1: love their, I love their love and I love how complicated it is. It's so true to women. Oh my God. It's it so really funny. is. It's so unapologetic to be like, she pissed me off. And I was- The say, rage. Yes. The rage and also the like, the ferocity at which they love each other. Like, wow, are you a Lila or a Lenu?
0: I think I'm a Lenu, who's maybe grown up to be. Mm. A Lila. What do you think?
1: I think you're a mixture.
0: Yeah. What do you? How are you?
1: Oh, I'm Lenu. I am. I think I'm full. I think I'm through and through, Leno.
0: I fucking love Lila, especially in this season. Like when she becomes the glamour puss before she becomes a dilapidated inn towards the end.
1: Yeah, so good.
0: Ugh, the scene. I thought they did so great with the the wedding night. Ooh, felt like how I felt reading it, and it's like,
1: yes. <sighs> Ooh, I hate all those men so much.
0: I know. But then they're just doing the best they can. Totally.
1: Like, They all have just have the tools that they have. I love stories like that where people are just like, this is what I've learned and I'm doing what I can. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So the Ferrante. Have you read any other Ferrante? I feel like I want to.
1: I want to as well.
0: I'm not sure anything from what I hear from other people with Ferrante fever. It's not as good as the series but it's still a lot of the same themes so if you like it you'll you'll like the other I ones love
1: being in her world i love it so much
0: it's so gorgeous
1: it's so much sense to me mhm yeah i got to get on that
0: do you have being a former bartender queen do you have a favorite cocktail to make
1: Ooh, fun. Um. That's interesting. Now and then, when I have time, I'll enjoy making someone like a Aperol spritz. I'll make that's it. my
0: favorite drink.
1: It's so good. It's so refreshing and delicious. So good. And usually it's like someone lovely. Like I feel like only lovely people are ordering an Aperol spritz. Well, thank you. And like, yes. And I get to hand it to them and I'm like, here, it's cute. But um, the shifts that I normally work um, are so insane and so busy that normally someone will be like, can I get an old fashioned? I'll be like, no, I don't have time. What would you like? Or I'll go, if I'm feeling really bitchy. Mm, try again. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> you're like, how about a shot? You want a beer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. How about a beer and a shot? Um, yeah, sometimes you just, uh, you just got to keep going. Yeah. especially When they're 22 and they're not going to tip you anyway. So bye.
0: Yep. Do you have a classic theater role that you're dying to try on?
1: Oh yeah. I don't know. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. I really want to play Abigail in the crucible. Yes. I feel like I understand her in a way that uh, I've never seen portrayed.
0: That's exciting.
1: It makes me crazy. Whenever I see someone doing Petulant Child, like, John, I know you. You clutched me. Oh my God, the Broadway performance. They literally had her in a schoolgirl's uniform. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. No. This child woke up to her parents' skulls being crushed next to her on the pillow. Like, this is a woman. Yeah. Tell a man that I know you. No. She is saying this from her womanly being. There's nothing childish about it. It makes me crazy. Yes. Crazy.
0: Yes. What is something that you want people to feel who spend time with you?
1: I want people to feel safe with me
0: I think you're achieving that I would say that from my personal experience Thank you Yeah Do you have a favorite tree?
1: Yes, a willow
0: Oh yeah, so good
1: Paul asked me that once He said, do you have a favorite tree? I said, yeah, it's a willow And then he wrote a song about me sitting under a willow tree It was so cute that's so beautiful. Oh, he's so good. I love him.
0: Do you feel like you guys are going to stay in New York for a while?
1: Who that knows. million dollar question. Who knows? During this here COVID-19. Oh, my
0: God. What do you feel like is the biggest gift for you that's come out of this whole COVID experience? Is there any silver lining at the moment?
1: My addiction to anxiety does not serve me. Mm-hmm. It does not serve me. I'm not saving anyone. I'm not fixing anything. I'm not loving anybody better by being anxious. Yeah. That's just. It's been a masterclass, a soul masterclass for who do you want to be? Yeah. Want to be in this? Yeah. Who do you, what kind of child, do you want to be? What kind of friend do you want to be? What kind of partner do you want to be? Because yeah, every day, yeah, those are good questions to ask ourselves. But in a world crisis, also interesting, who am I in a world crisis?
0: Exactly. That's what I said. I was like, who are we when we don't have this hamster wheel Mm -hmm. or this desire to achieve or right, this anxiety or this false sense of control? Who am I without that?
1: And am I, am, am I spreading that anxiety? Am I posting clickbait on Facebook? Am I'm I,
0: so done with it.
1: Right? Am I've I, been
0: off Facebook for a while, which it feels super good. But I mean, Instagram's the same. Like you're getting all this stuff.
1: Right? I'm just, clearly, who's, um, who's making things harder and who's really having a hard time and who's letting go? And- I know. Oh, oh,
0: it truly is. Are there any other art disciplines that you want to kind of pick up in this lifetime that you're dabbling in besides, you know, acting and writing and creating in that way?
1: I've always wanted to play an instrument, always my whole life. Yeah. I think I've decided on my instrument, and it's not, it's, it's, I'm be playing the long game. Yeah those things you just pick up and go um but sean has a lap steel and i love me some country
0: (sighs) that's so exciting
1: it's so weird i thought i was going to be a percussion girl like my hair was so long for for such a long time i was like oh i'll just like be a tambourine girl yeah like i need to make some music i can sing to yeah
0: i know you're such a beautiful singer
1: I want to depend on anyone for my music, you know what I mean? Like if someone doesn't feel like playing guitar or doing, yeah, I want to be able to make my own music and just like to feel good, not even necessarily to share, but like just for me.
0: Yeah. Who top three actor inspirations? People who are just like, oh shit! Like everything they do, you're like, yep, I want to, I want to move in that direction of courage.
1: Totally, Catherine O'Hara. Is everything? I bow down. She, I cannot understand Shit's Creek. I watch it and I'm like, this is too, this is too much. And and her, the way her and Eugene Levy balance each other, they are they are the definition of being greater than the sum of their parts. Yes, there is just like harmony. It is. Oh, it makes my soul happy. Definitely. Catherine O'Hara. Um, I love Estelle Parsons, and that's awkward because we've worked together. But like, I think it's probably why she said. I mean, of course, it's why she's such an inspiration. Like, we celebrated her ninetieth birthday during the middle of our run, and then yeah. she had to plane and go shoot more Roseanne. And like, it was just like, what are you? She yeah. Said- She's such a beast, and she literally would say to us, "She's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get some people to come here and see you, so we can, you know, so we can get some work out of this studio, so you know, you guys can get a little exposure." And I'm like, "What? Got your awards, honey? Like, I've been to your house. I've seen them. Like, yeah. I don't care if we're seen? Like, she is such an activist. Yeah, for the environment, um, actors of color." New actors like she is just such a freaking beast. I love that woman, I really love her. And then I would say Titus Burgess. Come oh on, oh, like for obviously for very different reasons, but oh my god, I don't know if I've ever watched anyone so effortlessly gifted. Just he just like the, the camera turns on and he just soars, yeah. It's so fun.
0: But I think that goes back to like to bring it full circle to like baby fig's instincts. Like that's what he is embodying. Mm. That only he could do that. And he and he runs with it. He's not he's out of his own way, you know, like and we mm. love to watch that. So why do we think that we shouldn't be doing that at all times?
1: Oh, there's no way he would be nearly as exciting if he was trying to be anyone else. Yeah in any way I mean he's just magic
0: I love those pics so do you have a song that always makes you feel better
1: hmm. yes they can't take that away from me is that the name of that song yeah, yeah. I think I think so Ella Fitzgerald and uh, Louis Armstrong that song my grandma and I used to listen to it in the Miata oh i on these like little mountain roads at like 70 miles an hour. so scary
0: santa cruz oh so
1: crazy everyone dies we were fine thank you god but just going to costco i gotta get my hot dog you know like it was amazing <laughs>
0: we are obsessed with costco at the moment so much since moving here and thank god we got a costco membership before all this shit went down because we are now like the water bearers, like we are like bringing things to people, like contactless toilet paper delivery. But, um, yeah, the hot dog, good mems,
1: so good.
0: A syrupy ass berry smoothie,
1: those frosty, freezy, whenever coffee mocha. Oh my god, I know it's so good! It's so good. Coffee for a mocha freeze. Any day of the week, give me that heart attack. It's need- also
0: crazy, like how much um, like organic selection they have these days. Like in all fronts, the produce, everything is so. John and I just all day, every day, especially because we're only eating at home now. We're like, those that Costco thing is really good. This is good. I haven't had anything I'm disappointed in from Costco.
1: Costco,
0: and we love seltzer, and I mean getting like a palette of seltzer, you feel rich.
1: I need it. I need it. That's like, Sean was like, we need to have a few things that we always give ourselves.
0: I said things to keep morale high. Like. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's one of them for us. We're like, I need a, I need a cold seltzer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: Do you have a favorite dish to cook?
1: Hmm. we're really focused on low sugar um I have found a way to make keto everything mm. without like a bunch of I don't I don't love using a bunch of fake sugars just because like they're expensive and yeah you know, I'm we're trying to break the addiction from the the super sweet things so there's yeah no point. just shocking your mouth into right, right. um but I'll do, like, keto versions of everything. I make, like, keto pancakes and keto meat pies. Um, so I love good. it. I love it. I love finding a way to make, like, fun foods that I know are not going to give my partner, like, a crazy sugar spike. And right. I-
0: but that still, like, do the job and still feel comforting or delicious or luxurious.
1: Totally. I yeah. yes. making naughty foods
0: keto. Love that. I love that. Okay. Final question. What's something that you think all creatives listening need to hear? It's usually something that you need to hear yourself.
1: I think I'll, if you wait to not be afraid, you probably won't do it. I have to do a lot of things hand in hand with fear. Mm. Truly terrified uh, for all the most fun reasons. And um, I think it's a lie. You know, I think the way we overcome fear is by not being able to overcome it and by doing it, you know, doing the things that scare us with our fear. And uh, then your brain will file away. Oh, well, all right. Well, that turned out. Okay. It was real scary, but you know, now I know. And, and then the next time you, you do it, you do the big scary audition and you, you know, it's just less you've done it before. And you just collect that information of like, oh, okay. So I'm the kind of person that can walk into a big room uh, or my first TV audition. I've never had that before. Okay. And, and I did it. And I was really afraid and maybe the camera saw me shaking, but I, I got out of there alive. Okay. Now I know I can do that and come out alive, you know, just collecting the information. Um, yeah, I have to do things when I'm afraid. That is
0: so beautiful. And the first time I've heard that, and, um, this is so silly to compare it, but we are watching that Imagineering and, you know, we're freaking Disneyland Pass holders, we love it. But it was so interesting hearing these cute, cute guys and, and gals, amazing women actually, who designed these theme parks and these experiences and they were talking about thrill rides and they were like, well, the whole thing about a thrill ride is that you're experiencing something that feels like death, might feel, but you survive it. And that it's a thrill and it makes you feel more alive than ever. And I feel so similar about what you're talking about with auditions or with creating or with doing something terrifying. And, you know, lately I've realized like I'm an artist and I create because it makes me feel my most alive, like for better or worse, you know, maybe that's not good. Maybe I need to feel more alive in my day to day, but it makes me feel so alive and in touch with the full spectrum of what our species can do and feel. And so it's so beautiful to hear you say that and very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you you so much for doing this. This is a total fun dream come true to talk to you in this way.
1: Funny timing. Like I don't even have Wi-Fi, and I'm in the middle of like the crucible and we're just like, well, the world's ending. So let's chat.
0: Oh my God. Are you doing your tape today?
1: I'm memorizing today. I'm going to do some character work.
0: Have so much fun. What a joy.
1: Well, Paige, I want to say one thing to you. Yeah. Before we're, um, I am so grateful to have you as a friend. I am so grateful to see you in this, just to see the way you've grown. Um, you always, you always really looked, um, you always had it together page. I don't know how you felt. <laughs> I don't know how you felt, but I always would, you know, we would look up to you as the person who knew what they wanted and where they were going and what schools and the name of all the casting directors and all this stuff. And now I can look to you and, and as an adult go, wow, what we were really attracted to and what we really were ad- admiring and, um, loving about Paige was the fact that you let your light shine. You really do. You really do. I've never seen you to dim your light for anyone or anything. That makes me
0: cry. Thank you.
1: I mean, and it it gives us permission. You know, it's kind of like the, when I'm allowed to be, when it's safe for me to be big, it's safe for you to be big and we can all take our space and and shine our brightest and it's not going to hurt anyone or or we're not going to make fools of ourselves cuz it's just safe we all get to be our beautiful selves
0: yes and the world deserves you the world deserves your light and your big big energy that's why that's why you're here you know
1: amen so thank you and i love this podcast
0: thank you thank you for everything you said today i I actually can't wait. It's so funny. I mean, I don't really have any editing to do with this one, but I some of them I just can't wait to listen back
1: to hear what you
0: said again, to to reinforce it. There was so you get you dropped some beautiful beautiful experience and knowledge today and I know it's going to inspire so many people and I've definitely seen a spike <laughs> in listening since all this, so I know that you're going to really make someone's day with Sharing your experience. So, thank you so much. Thank you. I love you.
1: I love you.
0: I'll talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, let's talk soon. You'd be well. Take care. You too.
0: Hi to Shawnee and the kitties. (laughs) Bye. Friends, thank you so much for tuning into the Blank Page Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the show, rate, review, and if you have a friend you think might benefit from these conversations, let him know about it, spread the word. Let's create a community where we lift each other up, support each other through the shitty times and celebrate each other's wins. Please let me know if there's any way that I can support you in your journey. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful day.